Upside down. Hiya, Kermit. It's Mickey. Uh, Mickey? I'm calling on the picture phone to see how the show's going. Oh, it's going, uh, uh, great. Just great. How does the audience like it? They, they love it. Uh... Who put the glad in gladiator? Hercules! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the Disney MGM Studios proudly presents... W Radio, your information station. Hello and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 361 for the week of May 4th, 2014. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with this podcast, my videos, blog, live broadcasts, special events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, audio tours, and more, including my brand new book, 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World. You can find it all and much more over at WDWRadio.com. So this week, we're going to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Disney's Hollywood Studios by looking back at the 25 things we love, miss, or remember about the Disney MGM Studios, including shows, restaurants, parades, attractions, and probably a few things you've never seen or maybe even heard of before. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package then stay tuned as I'll have some updates and announcements, including more information about upcoming events in Walt Disney World and on the road. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. May 1st, 2014 marked the 25th anniversary of Walt Disney World's third theme park and one that Chairman Michael Eisner declared would be the, quote, Hollywood that never was and always will be. And over the years, the park has grown, matured, and attractions of shows have come and gone. In 1994, the first major expansion took place, but just 10 years later, the studios part of the studios was shut down as Walt Disney Feature Animation Florida was shuttered for good. But along the way, we have found new things to love, other things to miss, memories we've created, and new things to anticipate. So this week, I want to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the studios by looking at the 25 things we love, miss, or remember about Disney MGM slash Disney's Hollywood Studios. And back with me is a man who thinks spending time taking pictures of Obscura in a Disney attraction in and of itself, he is Warden Ryan P. Wilson Matua from the Main Street Gazette. Jumbo. <laughs> Wait, that's the wrong park, isn't it? Wrong park, but that's okay. That's your, your thing. And 
as part of the, the trifecta, the trinity, back again is a woman who needs no introduction. She puts the Zana in Zanaland.com. She is Susanna Mitchell. We will just call you Zana. Oh, thank you very much for having me back, Lou. I love being here. It's great to have you back. Anyway, it, actually, and speaking of names, yours and Wilson Matua's, you know, we're talking about things that we, we love, miss, or remember. So I'm, I'm going to start off with a question. Is it the name, right? Is it the, the name? Do you, do you miss the name? Do you miss Disney MGM Studios? I'm, I'm going to hit uh, Susanna first because I always believe in, in being a gentleman and letting the ladies go first. <laughs> I definitely do. I think so many of us, you know, old people now, uh, but, you know, even some young kids, my oldest always still calls it Disney MGM or just MGM for short. But, you know, you got to keep the Disney in there. Yeah, it's it just rolled off the tongue. It was so easy to say. And and it implied that era, which brings back so many great memories, which is why we're here today. And thank you for reminding us that the three of us are old. I I appreciate that. Because yeah, we all know people that we talk to them and they were born after the studios opened. So, yeah. But Ryan, yeah. what about you? Do, you? do you miss the name? I do miss it. You know, Disney MGM Studios was, it, like Zana said, it's so easy. It rolls off the tongue. And for people who haven't been there for a few years, it is still MGM. You know, I'll talk to people all the time about it and I still have to refer to it as MGM because they have no idea what Disney's Hollywood Studios is. They think it's in California. Yeah, true. And, you know, and I think for a lot of us that do remember, and we're obviously all very nostalgic, you know, we think about the name Disney MGM Studios, and maybe that's part of, you know, why things change. Look, I'm sure one of the things that we all might say that we miss as part of our very amorphous 25-ish list, you know, <laughs> may very well be that view down Hollywood Boulevard, right? It's that thing that we miss about looking down and seeing uh, the, the, the Chinese theater, but maybe that was part of the change, right? Because the name of the park itself sort of was not solely in Disney, uh, so not solely Disney, right? It was the Disney MGM Studios. It was another brand. It was another intellectual property. And when that view down Hollywood Boulevard, you know, it, it wasn't a park icon that was a Disney icon. It was somebody else's building. And from a Disney perspective, they might have said, hey, look, you know, it doesn't say Disney like the castle does, like Spaceship Earth does, like eventually the Tree of Life would. It said Chinese theater. It said old Hollywood, but it didn't say Disney. And so there is some sort of logic that you could almost imply in that the change from MGM Studios to Disney's Hollywood Studios almost from a branding perspective made sense, but from a, a nostalgic sense, you know, it's something that we, we somewhat miss. And it's one of those things where the park is an amalgamation of all these different properties, whether they're Disney or they've come to Disney since then. Uh, and yeah, you could see the iconic Hollywood and it was trying to take in that whole era. So it is a piece that maybe has lost some shine over time. Yeah. And, and let's sort of think back to, uh, the park when it opened because it was a very different place than it is now. Although much like Florida on opening day, it rained <laughs> incessantly as opposed <laughs> to just the 15 minute rain. But you know, when the park first opened, you know, I think a lot of people forget just how many, and I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Anybody know how many attractions were operational on opening day? I feel like it's five, five. Zana, uh, more I'm going to go lower and say three. If this is like this is like the Price is Right or something, um, it was actually one dollar. There was nine. Nine. <laughs> it was actually nine. It was the Backstage Studio Tour, Catastrophe Canyon, the Disney Classics Theater, the Great Movie Ride, 
The Magic of Disney Animation, Monster Sound Show, Residential Street, Superstar Television, and Hollywood Hollywood over at Theater of the Stars. But, you know, it might sound like a lot, but it was one of those things that when the park first opened, it very much was sort of that, it was kind of that half-day park that had the, the reputation of being, but it also was very different in terms of what it was meant to be, not just in the representation of this classic idea of old Hollywood, but the idea for the studios was not just going to be a theme park, but that it was going to be a real working studios. And that was one of the things that had, I think, a lot of appeal to us as guests was there was real things going, like there was real magic being made here. And because of some of the cool things that we might talk about that they were doing, you'd never know who you might see walking around on the streets. That's true. I saw Dick Van Patten one time. <laughs> oh, my God. We're so old because we know who Dick Van Patten is. Oh, you're just going to keep dating us all the whole time. It was pretty exciting for me. And uh, I think I might have seen um, Ed McMahon back then, too. hi Because didn't they do um, – what was that show he used to Star do? Star Search. Yeah. Didn't they do yeah. that there one time or mm-hmm. something? Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah. That was the extent of my famous people for that park. But yeah, you know, if you think about it, there, you know, the things that we take for granted about, to a certain degree, about the studios today uh, aren't there, right? There was no Star Tours. There was no, um, you know, there was no Sunset Boulevard, right? There, there was not even Mickey yeah. Avenue, sort of, because that was really part of the old production center mm-hmm. back there. We'll talk about the tram tour, and, and it wasn't residential. It wasn't Streets of America. It was New York Street. Uh, back then, but sort of let's, let's, I may have actually taken one, so let's look at our maybe 24, and Zad, I want to go with you first, and it could be, I want this to be anything that you think. Is it something that you miss, something that you love about the studios? Look, if it's a cupcake, that's all good, I will I will <laughs> hug it out with you, or even just something that you remember fondly about maybe those early days in the past, or the past, any time over the past 25 years. Well, I, I mean, the first time I visited, I think, was... Um, uh, it was. It wasn't when it first opened because we had just moved to Virginia. So, but when I first went, there was the Dick Tracy show that was happening when you were on the tram ride, right? That was part of it. I don't know. I could be the the diamond that. the the, the, uh, the oh so very short lived <laughs> yeah. Dick Tracy Diamond Double Cross, which is I think started what in uh, in nineteen ninety Ryan right? nineteen ninety yeah yeah and it was right it was over on the it's actually the Theater of the Stars next to Hollywood Brown Derby um, at the time. But you're right. There was on New York Street when you were on the tram tour, they had painted the buildings to look yeah. like Dick Tracy and they had spray painted the Dick Tracy logo on one of the fences. And yeah. I thought there was like a, a scene where like a car came out and people were, I don't know, I could be making that up, <laughs> confusing it with the Ace Ventura <laughs> thing later on. But anyway, so that was the time frame that I went, first went there. So, but being seeing the backstage tour, with the actual, like, the wardrobe department and the scenic department and going through all of those things. And like you said, it, it was they were trying to make it a working studios. That was exciting for, you know, younger me. And I had no idea really how the movies worked or anything like that. So to see that little insight into things and, of course, um, the tour was in two different parts then with the walking tour, the inside the magic part with the miniatures and the blue screen and the models and... The soundstage part and that – I just loved all of that. And also my two favorites back then, which I'm getting ahead of myself, but were the Monster Sounds – whatever that was. Monster Sound Show. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Getting n- names wrong. And then Superstar Television. I yeah. love those two things. Mm-hmm. And I think what, you know, I think for a lot of people, the backstage studio tour was the hallmark attraction because that's what you know when you think about studio tours out in california and even sort of what walt had hoped he would be able to do with the studios was that ability to get on a tram or walk through and be able to see actual sound stages and actually be able to see real production going on so when you step through that gate you felt as though you were entering a real working production center and the cool thing about it was this was not sort of a half hour show or a little tram ride this was a two hour guided tour experience with the tram portion and the walking portion and you got to see and depending on when you were there you got to see real things being filmed or real motion pictures being produced there and right there was a lot of different elements to it um there was costuming and the scene shop and residential street catastrophe canyon which is obviously still there New York Street, the water effects tank, the workshop, the the, uh, the shooting stage, a lot of different sound stages. You also saw post-production, and then you got to see in the, the theater at the end sort of sneak peeks of new movies that were coming out. So this was a, a really nice, you know, big chunk of your, your day at the studios was spent on that backstage tour. And obviously the thing that, like some of those other things you mentioned, Susanna, was part of this uh, this. Uh, a feeling that you got was very different than anything else that you experienced at Epcot or Magic Kingdom. Very true. And being able to see firsthand how things worked and, and stuff like that. And then when they added that, the little movie, the lottery, which was fun, and you got to see some of the props for that at the at the end. It was just, it created this feeling that you were part of the show. And, um, you know, a lot of kids, certainly from everywhere, but in that grew up in Hollywood had no idea how those things worked. So it was a great sort of education, but with fun thrown in too. And it really made the whole theme of the park come alive for you. And Ryan, I think there was a, a, a big rewritability factor that with the studio tour, because there were things that were, you know, the scenes were going to be the same, mm-hmm. but you never know what you might've seen from one day to the next. No, it was always changing, especially on that walking portion. You didn't know what was going to be being filmed. You didn't know what you were going to be able to walk into to see. You know, I can remember there being times where you know, New York Street or Residential Street were closed because it was a live set. They were filming things at that time. Um, but for me, one of the things in the, you know, that whole – we talked about part one and part two. For me, one of the things in the early days that really made it special was that time to take – to just relax because the, in between part one and part two, you stopped at the Acme Gag Works. And you had the whole world of Roger Rabbit with the crates with the different sound effects and the photo op where you could slide yourself under the dip mobile. And it was all these pieces that just gave you that opportunity to take a breath and just absorb it for a second. And you actually sort of hit on, and I might as well just mention now, one of the things that was on my list in terms of it was something I, I loved and something I missed and something I fondly remember was Roger Rabbit in Walt Disney World. And we actually did a show, Mm -hmm. show number 327. We talked about what is, what was, and what might have been in terms of Roger in the studios because he was really meant to be sort of, and I mean this respectfully, sort of the next Mickey Mouse. Like he was the next big figure and was actually, you know, seen in promo photographs alongside Mickey. And there was a lot of Roger scattered throughout the studios really setting the stage, pardon the accidental pun, for what we thought was going to come next in terms of, you know, the buggy ride and, and sort of that whole Roger Rabbit land. 
Yeah, there was so much that Roger Rabbit had brought to that park, and you could see it everywhere in the park, you know, from Echo Lake, where Eddie, Eddie Valiant had his office, to the back lot. He was in all the parades. He was the, the face of that park, and even in the Magic Kingdom, you saw him. So he was, he was ready to hit that step, and then, then they just stumbled just a little bit. Yeah, and to hear sort of a, a full discussion on it, you can go back to show number 327, and I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, but, Ryan, g- give me something else, something else that you, that you miss or you love or you remember. Um, so for me, it's always been, you know, the, the up and outward, but it was the Rocketeer and his presence in the park. Uh, you know, we still have PV stand, but I can remember back in 1991 during that summer when he was part of the Sorcery in the Sky fireworks show and they actually had the Rocketeer take off and do a little bit of a flying, uh, gimmick and then come back down and land. And I always thought, you know, what else could we do with the Rocketeer? You You had Bulldog Cafe on the back lot. It was like, where's he going to be next? When are we going to see more of the Rocketeer? Yeah, I agree, and, and I'm going to also touch on another show that we did back on show 256 um, from in, back in 2012. We sort of went on the trail of the Rocketeer, and, and Jim Corkus and I walked around the studios finding all of those references that are still there, but we talk about things that aren't there anymore, like the old Rocketeer Gallery that used to be where uh, Toy Story Pizza Planet is today, and there are still some remnants of that that you can find if you search and look. You very much have to sort of look out for them. Um, But you're right, and it was one of those things that you found throughout the parks and maybe didn't stay very long because it didn't have the success, like a Dick Tracy, maybe that they had thought that it would. No, it was one of the things you thought was was going to be on there. You thought maybe we'd see more movies, more more action, and it just never came to be. Zano, did you – let me first ask you, have you you even seen The Rocketeer? Yeah, I'm actually wearing a Bulldog Cafe t-shirt right now. Come on. Yes. Um, Shut the front door. You are not. I knew we were doing this and I said, oh, I got to wear that shirt today from the D23 Expo. I think maybe Destination. As if I couldn't love you anymore. But but you know, by the way, we're doing audio only, right? Nobody could actually see your t-shirt. But but now you have to send me a picture of you with the the t-shirt on and I'll put it in the show notes because I think that's cool. I'll do that. I'll have to put makeup on first. Anyway. um, So, yeah. Seeing the Bulldog Cafe is one of my fondest memories, and I have like old, you know, faded photos of that um, on the the backlot tour, and it was just I loved seeing it, and that I think was what made the studio so special back then. Is thing like you could relate to things because you're like, oh my gosh, that's from the movie that I just saw, or you'd go on the tour and you'd see the costumes in the windows, and that's we were you were talking about things constantly changing. You would always wonder, like, oh, I wonder which costumes they have from, like, what movie they're working on kind of thing. So, yeah, I definitely miss The Rocketeer, among other things. Hmm. It, it's a nice tease for what's to come. And, and I do, too. And as, you know, and I was sort of brain dumping today getting ready for this. You know, I, everything I thought that was going to be on the top of my list kept on getting moved around because I was like, oh, I missed this, too. And this was a small detail, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure out where I want to go next. Um, it, <laughs> and so I will go with the detail, right? Um, there, there are little things that to 99.9% of the guests, they will never notice that it's gone because they probably never noticed that they were there. And one of the things, and there's actually two, there was actually a pair of them, are the guard booths. Mm-hmm. And I say the guard booths, meaning the artificial imagineered guard booths that marked the onstage and backlot areas. One was by the commissary, and the other was by the backlot express. And they're unfortunately not there now. But if you saw that guard booth, that was sort of meant to represent a guard booth that you would have found at a real studio. That was that sort of 
uh, gateway in between what was on stage and what was the backlot area. And you could even see subtle changes in the pavement, right? Because And that sort of, there was that little bit of attention to detail. And as you looked in the booths, there was so much detail. You could see that the guard who was sitting there was reading a book on acting or, or whatever it may be. And there was, you know, login sheets and whatever it was. And most guests probably walked right by them. But that's one of those little details that really helped set the story that Disney was trying to create with this entire park, which was we had the privilege of walking on stage onto a real set, but we also got a chance to go backstage and look behind the scenes and look at the facades and go to the commissary where the actors could be eating that day. And, and I used to think that as a kid. I'm like, oh, it's the real commissary. Like Hulk mm-hmm. Hogan could be eating in here in the yeah. commissary. One. Right, Hulk Hogan was like sort of the barometer of F- right. stars at the time. But, you know, whoever it was, because that's where you heard, like, that's where the actors ate, right? And you saw even the Backlot Express and looking behind the facades on uh, New York Street, it gave you a sense of privilege of going backstage. And, and when they went away, for whatever reason, I, I do, I kind of miss them because I, I think that was one of those little important details that helped really sell that story. And I think, Ryan, you are probably the only other person listening that may have actually <laughs> noticed that. There and took I was just going to say, I feel terrible because I, I don't remember them. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I got I got called out this week for taking for posting a photo and it was on, of the backside, backside of the at-at. And somebody goes, you're the only person who's going to turn around and look up and take that picture. <laughs> but in the front half before that guard check, you're right. You could go around. Everything was complete. Every light pole was complete. Every building was complete. You take that step across and you go from the colored pavement to that very you know, gray drab pavement. You're on the back lot and everything's hollow and you could see the inner workings. And yeah, and actually at one point, you know, there was even a gate there for the guard shacks because it was oh, that was your defining border. Right. And um, – it is one of those things I miss. You know, my aunt, you know, worked in security for Disney for over 20 years. And, you know, seeing the coat and seeing the hat there, it was that, that was a piece of, you know, my aunt. I think she wears that. I think that was, you know, it was that was a tie. And so I, I do miss seeing those. Yeah. So, uh, and, and Susanna, it, you know, you shouldn't be, well, too embarrassed about not noticing what <laughs> before because there was no attraction. There was nothing or nobody pointing it out to you and yeah. telling the story. It was one of those things that, once you saw it, it, it helped you to connect the dots, um, but really wasn't sort of, you know, they talk about sort of laying the story out with a trowel. That's not what they do at, at Disney. It's a matter of you finding those details yourself. So next time we're walking and eating through the parks, I will show you where they used to be. <laughs> yeah, because you can still see the little square concrete pad where, right where they were. Yeah, wow. absolutely. So. All right, Zana, back to you. What do you remember? <laughs> what else do you remember? <laughs> hey. <laughs> Um, well, I don't know. Do you want to go on to Monster Sound Show and Superstar Television? Ladies' choice. You go anywhere you like. Okay. Well, I'll tell my story of Superstar Television because that, to me, was just a super fun thing. It lived up to its name. Um, And, of course, I was always too shy. Lou, you know this firsthand because you have to shove me to do anything. Um, But my dad was a ham and he volunteered and got picked to be the soap opera actor in one of those scenes where the guy that had to wear the trench coat. So that's like one of my favorite memories is seeing him up on the the stage doing his show. And I just I think that was such a great experience for people to be a part of a TV show and be a part of TV history, because, of course, they were using, for the most part, famous scenes like the I Love Lucy one, um, the scene in the Chocolate Factory. And stuff like that. So that was just such a special experience. Of course, you know, everyone loves American Idol, 
but I think it was um, a really unique way to see how TV worked as well as the movies. And what was also great and at the time unique about this and, and in this park was that it was that true interactive, which is a word we're using so much lately, the true interactive show experience because guests were able to get up there, be cast for a role, be put in front of in the green screens, be put into different scenes from those TV shows. So you were learning, right? You were learning how green screens were used in the, the motion picture and television industry, but you were part of the show, right? And every show was going to be different because you didn't know how it was going to go. This was an opening day attraction. It was sponsored by Sony. It is, like you said, it is currently in where the American Idol Theater currently sits. So it was a big show, probably about a thousand people in there. And again, we are so going to date ourselves because, you know, <laughs> the shows that were referenced in there was, you know, the, well, the Today Show is still around, but Howdy Doody and I Love Lucy and Bonanza and Gilligan's Island, <laughs> Cheers, Golden Girls, uh, The Tonight Show, Late Show. Um, wasn't, it, wasn't it the Howard Cosell sports show or Howard Cosell like sports break or something like that with, with a kid playing baseball? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. Ryan, I'm, I'm sure this is something that you probably and, – and I never got picked. It was just like watching Rock Rune when I was a kid. They never said my name. I never got picked for this show. <laughs> No, I never got picked for it either, and it was one of those shows I loved watching. I loved seeing, um, you know, I was always the one trying to volunteer my dad for anything, um, whether it was this or because he had the ugly shirt and he should be in Indiana Jones and getting beat up. Um, it, I, it was. It was one of those. You know, that whole that whole block between there and Monster Sound Show just taught you so much about the the art of filmmaking, the art of television, whether it was how to, do, to act, how to hit your marks and your cues, how sound effects are so critical to the success and how they actually make those sounds. And, you know, it's not a person with shoes walking across the floor. It's actually these two coconuts hitting it, you know. Um, there was so much there that just taught you things that, uh, yeah, like, like Zana said, you know, unless you were outside of, unless you were a kid in Hollywood, you had no idea how this happened. And I wonder, as I think back as an, an impressionable kid at the time, how many people may have been impacted by shows like this to say, hey, you know what? I want to do this. I want to become a Foley artist. I want to become, mm -hmm. you know, I want to work in film because I've sort of gotten a taste of what it's like behind the scenes. And that was like the cool, that was like the thing that got you excited was you felt like you were peeking, you know, behind the curtain to see how it all worked. Definitely, and I think it was one of those things where even if you weren't picked for the show, the great part about you know with Monster Sound Show, you exited out into the Soundworks, and you could put your own sound effects on, uh, you know, a Snow White or an old Mickey Mouse cartoon. You could listen to the sound effects and how they played out, and you had that that real hands-on experience that gave you something to take away with you. Yeah, so maybe we should sort of talk about it because I'm sure this is on somebody's list was the Monster Sound Show because it was very much like Superstar Television, also sponsored by Sony. And you had that sort of pre-show with David Letterman and things like that, but it was really about that interactive element. Again, it's this thing that we're sort of coming back to in terms of the parks no longer being a passive experience, and these were the kind of attractions that really did it. And this, like you said, was not just about audience participation, but it was really about teaching about Foley work, how the sounds actually get into that. And it was fun, and it was funny, and there were relevant people at the time. It was David Letterman, and Chevy Chase was in there, and Martin Short was in there, too. And I, again, never got picked, but I totally <laughs> dug this show. 
Yeah, and it was great how it changed over. You know, you had the the show where you were learning that you know where the sound effects would have to go, and then you would put them in, and then you'd be you'd always be just a beat off, or you wouldn't be quite where you needed to be. But then there were also the gags in the film where it wasn't quite the same film when you finished with your sound effects. Yeah, and I loved the idea of the post show get really getting a chance, even if you didn't get picked. You could do that hands-on stuff, right? You can sort of make sounds like, you know, thunder and, and uh, I think there was like a, a crashing glass or a chandelier and, and fire and doorknobs. And then um, wasn't there like a, a like goofy yelling, something about like goofy mm-hmm. yelling and then it was like um, somebody falling down and books. And, so, and I'm trying to sort of remember like all the different, there was like different stations that were yeah. in there um, that you sort of got a chance to see. And again, these sort of rudimentary things like, like you said, Ryan, the halves of the coconuts on wood making the sound of a horse. Right, and you did. You had all these things and then it would play back what you had created. And, you know, whether or not you got to take a copy of that home with you, it was still that that skill that you had kind of learned in in a day while you were playing in the park. And wasn't there a a section when it it was sound stations where you could do um, a Roger Rabbit voice? Like you had to like insert your own Roger Rabbit voice. And then it changed later on. I know they they were doing like the Saturday morning lineups and and stuff like that. But wasn't there? I think it did. It changed over the years. But yeah, there was one. It was always one of the things that they changed throughout the years. You know, they did some Star Wars ones for when they started Star Wars Weekends where you could put in your own X-Wing sounds and all that. But yeah, they changed it constantly. Yeah, and I like that too because I was always sort of a, 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 a well, I'm saying like it's past tense. I'm, I still am a geeky kid <laughs> and I like <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, so, all right, so Ryan, what else do you have on your, um, on your ever-growing list? Um, this is going to be that sappy, sentimental piece of it. But I can remember, you know, I miss Residential Street for all the things that it was, all the houses and from mm-hmm. the television shows I watched and everything. But I can remember when they first brought the Osborne lights to the studios – that you used to walk residential street and they had decked the street out with all of it. Mm. And I remember just being so cool to have that moment of, this is what I ride a tram in, but now I get to walk it and I get to really ex- and absorb everything around me. And it was just such a cool experience. Yeah. I I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Susanna. No, I was just going to say, I agree that that was such a cool thing. And to see like the front yards up close mm-hmm. and personal and see, you know, the little displays that they would do. It was really really fun. Residential Street was always one of my favorite parts, too, because just driving around and seeing, hey, there's nothing in the back of the house was a cool <laughs> thing to see. And, you know, now, of course, could they even do it? I mean, what houses would we identify with, would yeah. the kids of today identify with? But it was a great thing for us to grow up with. Yeah, it would be interesting to, to, to if we asked people what, if you could sort of see them filming exteriors of a show, what, what would it be? You know, would it be one of these Disney Channel shows? Would it be yeah. um, something else? But you know that it, it was very it was it was that very much edutainment kind of thing because that was like some of the other things it was very eye opening to me because I used to think that these shows were filled they just sort of brought a camera crew out and they went in front of somebody's house and that's where the exteriors <laughs> don't have me I thought that's listen at one point I used to literally think when I listened to the radio that every time a song came on the band was going to the radio station to play the music Aww. <laughs> I got a bridge I want to talk to you about after this. <laughs> Don't judge me. I figured it out a couple of years ago. So, um, all right. So how sappy and sentimental do I want to be? Uh, all right. I, I won't get too sappy yet. Uh, I will. I'll sort, I'll sort of play off that idea of the interactivity and not knowing what was coming next and, and that, that excitement about possibly getting picked. And I'm going to do like a twofer or a threefer or a however many for. I miss the game shows. 
Mm -hmm. I miss the game shows at Disney's MGM Studios. So all the way back at the beginning, right, you were you always had this chance to be part of the live audience. And going back in, I guess it's sort of the early 90s, maybe 92, 93, uh, NBC sort of relaunched Let's Make a Deal. And they did a Let's Make a Deal show for a while um, as sort of like an attraction. When they weren't actually filming the show, you could be contestants and put on costumes and, and play for prizes and things like that. Certainly, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Play it. Back in 2001, uh, Soundstage 2 and 3 became part of the show, which really sort of exploded uh, the, the Regis and then later Meredith Vieira version. Um, you could play for points and pins and prizes and things like that. And look, you had a chance to either win a trip to New York or later a, a Disney cruise. I never made it into the hot seat. Curses. <laughs> One time I was close, but I never... And like you said, Ryan, they also created special editions of it for Star Wars and Super Soap and ESPN The Weekend events. So it was very cool. You had the sort of real thrill because not only did the set look exactly like what you saw on TV, but you could really win some actual prizes, not just, you know, a certificate or something. Like you were playing... This was no joke, man. You were playing for, like, pins and jackets and hats. And, hey, man, if you got lucky enough, you, you could play for a cruise. I played a blood sport for you, didn't it? That's what, like, you wanted that chair, didn't you? Oh, my God, I wanted that chair so <laughs> desperately. I so desperately wanted to be in the chair. But, no, you're right. You and I talked about this. You know, it's, it was one of those things where it brought the audience back in. You were, you were engaged. You know, I, I can remember, you know, years and years ago when they were filming Hollywood Squares there, and I was in the studio audience for that, and it was like, I'm part of a television show, whether my voice made it onto the, the laugh track or whatever. Um, but with you know who wants to be a millionaire play it you were in the audience you were having that chance to get in there and and to play and you were invested in it yeah and what was the other game there was another it was like um family um oh my god it was bob Eubank. uh family secrets family secrets so it it, it ran oh, yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. a very short period mm -hmm. of time that they taped there as well and i just again i'm showing my age like bob Eubanks was like a big deal cuz i used to watch game shows all the time <laughs> when I came home from school as a kid. But you're right. You That thought that even like, wow, is my voice in the laugh track? Like, is, is somehow like I am part of, of this TV show. Zana, ever make it into the hot seat? Ever? No, I never even tried. I totally missed out on that hole. <laughs> I remember walking by it, but I do. they used to film like uh, Wheel of Fortune there like at, at different times. It wasn't all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there was always, there was always something... You know, different that was coming, and that was the cool thing. Like this, this mm -hmm. park was always changing, right? We talk about Disney World never being a museum, Disneyland never being a museum. This, I think, was one of, is a great example of that because it was always something different coming through. Yeah. All right, so Susanna, back to you. You are in the hot seat because you are next to tell us what you're, uh, what you missed. See what or else love. is on my list here. We've already talked about Roger Rabbit. That was on my list. Oh, okay. How about, I, I don't know which is first, so you guys can correct me, but um, the Premier Theater, which is now, of course, enclosed and where lots of Star Wars weekend stuff happens. But I remember the Hunchback show that was there live on stage, and then it became the Pocahontas show after that, and I think possibly one other one after that um, before they stopped doing shows there. I do remember the show, and what I remember about the show, and the last time I saw it, was it was probably about 123, 124 degrees <laughs> yeah. the last I went to go see it because it was open and, you know, you didn't always get a, uh, a cool breeze blowing through there. That is true. 
Yeah, isn't that that corner? I was say, isn't that that corner? You had to you had to sacrifice if you loved that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did. But <laughs> but I remember, and the thing that I, I and look, I, I still say that Hunchback of Notre Dame is a beautiful film, and I love the music from it. I, I loved, loved, loved that musical adventure that they had there. Um, that and it, it was supposed to only run for. A little while, and then they were supposed to be, supposed to be a Hercules show afterwards. And the show was so popular, they made the Hercules show a the, the Zero to Hero parade, and right. then they kept the show running till about two thousand one, two thousand two, somewhere around there. Yeah, early two thousands. And uh, and if you remember, there was a a juggler, there was a a, a real juggler that was able to Matt the juggler. You can still some, I think you can still see him over at the boardwalk sometimes at night. I think Matt the Juggler still may be there, or right. I'm old and really out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a very energetic, very kinetic uh, kind of show, and, and it was you know the colors and the costumes I thought made this one of the prettiest, like one of the most beautiful shows I, I think that was there over at the Premier Theater. Yeah, and that's why I think they were so memorable because they, they they were so well done. It wasn't just some cheesy show. The costumes were amazing, and they always had. I mean, at least what I remember from the Hunchback and the, the Pocahontas show, especially, they like dropped leaves down at the end, and so yeah, it was. And okay, I'm going to lead into something else here, <laughs> really quick. The one thing that you cannot get anywhere anymore. It was not Hollywood. I mean, MGM Studios specific, but does anyone remember? What ended up becoming, uh, I don't even know what they ended up calling it at the end, but they were these ice cream bars, which had chocolate ice cream with caramel and then coated in chocolate. And they renamed, Mm. yeah, they renamed them every year based on the animated thing that came out. So it started out as the Hunchback Bar, and then it became the Pocahontas Bar, and then it became the Hercules Bar, and then they changed it to like the Goofy Bar or something like that, and then it disappeared. Very sad. I'm but so that was embarrassed a- that I don't know about this food. Well, it's such a random thing, <laughs> yeah. but you could get them everywhere, I think. I don't think it was just that park. But I always loved that because I liked chocolate ice cream, so I thought that was better than the, the Mickey bar. But, yeah, and they don't make them anymore. Wow. Tear. Yeah, I'm ashamed. I don't I, I don't know. Zanna, you totally made up for anything else that you just did by whipping <laughs> my drink. Because I remember ice cream, yeah. of course. <laughs> we have our priorities solely in order. Um, so maybe let's sort of play off that, Ryan. And what about some of the other – there's a lot of shows that came in and out of the studios. And for years, you and I have been talking about doing a show about the shows, um, you know, either individually or, or collectively. Are there any other shows that maybe you remember or you miss or for one reason or another sort of – um, stick out with you, yeah. There were there were two, and and the first was the very short lived Dick Tracy Diamond <laughs> Double Cross. Um, to this day, I can still sing that song, and it's it stuck with me for years. Um, but we kind of touched on that earlier, so let's go about let's go over and talk about Here Come the Muppets. Yes, and that show really stuck with me. I mean, this was you know, these were Muppets that were basically the size of Sweetums, you know, walking out life size full on Muppets. And they were, you know, jamming out to songs, and you had, um, you know, all these celebrities who who guest starred in it. Um, and the, the monorail came crashing through, and it was just like, it, for a kid, it was like the, the Muppets have come to life. They've come to my town. I'm going to come play with them. Um, and it was one of those shows that, you know, it, it was short lived, and it maybe you know wasn't the best thought through show, but it but it resonated with me as a kid. And this this you know, and I'm happy you brought this up because this premiered like in May or so of 1990. 
um, sort of, it was really meant almost as a placeholder, like to whet your appetite right. while they were building Muppet Vision uh, 3D. And I think it ran only for maybe a year, maybe a year and a half. And it's in it's it ran where, just to give you a sense of perspective, it ran where Voyage of the Little Mermaid is now. But the thing about this that was so cool, Ryan, and look, we talk, you know, people are losing their marbles in a good way about talking Mickey. You forgot, you know, 25 years ago about talking Kermit and talking Fozzie. Yeah. They were up there singing and dancing because they were moving, like their mouths were moving and they were in these life-size, <clears throat> I mean, they were there up on stage. And... Um, uh, Miss, P- I remember the remember the picture phone that was on. They were yep. on the picture phone with um, Lily Tomlin, Tomlin. <laughs> and the picture phone, um, and this was just part of. And this is one of the things I missed too was the Muppets at at um, at Disney MGM Studios. Yeah, because we you know they they had a swine days of swine and roses um, that happened later, but th- there were Muppets full walk around character Muppets that were there for quite a while. And you're right, they you know they took all the. The, their skills of Muppetry and made these life-size characters that could talk and could interact, and uh, it was it was one of those incredible pieces that that we don't see enough of the Muppets, even though they've come into the Disney fold. We still don't see enough of them in the parks. I didn't hear a word you said because I just like the word Muppetry. Muppetry. <laughs> I think it's cool. Go. I never heard that word before. I, I totally dig that. Um, but yeah, this was you know, the, and and again, I'm going to refer back to. Uh, show number 169, where we talk about the Muppets that were there and, and you know, the, the Muppets that never were because there was supposed to be so much more. And some of the, the, the trials and tribulations and turmoil that went on in terms of getting the Muppets there and, and getting to what we thought this, this Muppet land was eventually going to be that, that was advertised on the backstage tour. Remember that the sides yeah. of the tour trams used to have these things where saying coming next year. Um, you know, and, and it wasn't called Muppet Land, but they sort of talked about this this next generation of of Muppets in the parks, and I think we all still maybe hold out a little bit of silent hope that uh, that the Muppets and or Roger Rabbit comes back in, in a big kind of way. Fingers crossed. That would be great. I have pictures of that Muppet show, by the way. The Here and Come the Muppets please thing. Please feel free. You know what? Why don't you post them over at Xanaland.com and we will link it up. <laughs> okay, I will have to do that. <laughs> She's like writing a note now, pens, like <laughs> Muppet pictures. Thanks, Lou, for the extra work. Um, all right, so let's quickly mention there was a couple other shows that, um, and I remember this one as a father of young kids, Bear in the Big Blue House. Oh, my gosh. I, I dug forgot. that as much as they did because I love Bear, and I sang the Good Night song with the moon yes. and Luna, and... Who cares if you had to sit on the show? And who cares if you were looking up wishing the catwalk bar was still there? And I'm getting ahead <laughs> of myself, too. But I loved Bear in the Big Blue House. Just a little bit more than Ace Ventura Pet Detective live in action. <laughs> slightly. Slightly a bit more. Just just slightly, but actually this much? Yeah. <laughs> so, Zana, you're a parent. Um, I, I have to imagine, and I heard the way you reacted. Did you Were you going for yourself and or possibly your kids? Yes. I can't believe I forgot about that show. I... Loved parents. You know, as parents, there are some shows that you endure when your children are younger. But this one, I love Bear in the Big Blue House. I still have Shadow's Lullaby like on my iTunes oh. somewhere, and it, it still makes me cry if I listen to it. But yeah, I, I, almost, started, Bear in the- I almost started singing just completely. I know. Like, right? <laughs> I gotta catch myself. <laughs> oh, it was such a good show, and that was, yeah, it was great to see that live on stage there. And I actually do have Ace Ventura Pet Detective business cards somewhere in a box. So. Oh my God, I'll go buy those from you. <laughs> We're stealing from you. Um, 
and it was it, that attraction was one of the ones, and I talk about going with my kids and experiencing it as a parent through their eyes for the for the first few times. And I would watch my kids and other kids' reactions to that show the same way I would watch my daughter see her first parade and just respond like mouth agape. And that you know they saw these these characters come off stage. And I was like, this is it, man. Like, this is, this is what they want. Like, this is what Walt wanted. They wanted kids to react like, you know, these, these characters are real. They, they've come out of the TV, and I'm able to watch them and almost touch them. And I'm getting up, and I'm dancing. And I, look, I cried at that show more than I cried at, like, mm-hmm. Rudy or The Notebook. Not that I've ever seen The Notebook, but, <laughs> notebook. you know. <laughs> you know, and, and I was like, that's it. Like, that's what this place is for. And, and, I, and I love that. And look, and that show is obviously not... For it wasn't for the kids who were down there on spring break, you know, coming out of college. But as a parent, you know, or a, or a grandparent, you watch a kid or Ryan react like that. It's priceless. <laughs> I know. I, I get up and start dancing, and it was, yeah. But no, I, even I, you know, I didn't. I don't have kids, but I was a preschool teacher at the time, and I would go and watch this show and just be like, God, my kids would love this show. Like, and just see, you know, the, the kids the same age as the ones I had back in my classroom, just, just unabashedly, just you know, in love with everything they were seeing and it was, and it did my heart good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, sometimes you kind of miss that, but they're still doing that in terms of having more mm-hmm. of the, the playhouse Disney, um, kind of things. But yeah, I, I personally missed, you know, I, I missed bear in the big blue house and, and Ojo and Trilo and Luna and, <laughs> and Tutter the mouse. Remember him? Oh my God. I still have a stuffed Tutter somewhere too. I actually refuse to part with my bear in the big blue house pin. Like I'm not keeping it for my kids and I'm not like a pin collector and I'm selling all my stuff. And I'm like, I need, there is some sort of sentimental mm-hmm. attachment mm-hmm. That, that I have to that. And I think we're probably spending way too much time on this. So funny. For the most all people. bear in the big blue house hour. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't remember whose turn was it. Who whose turn is it to go? I just sort of. I think it's Ryan's again. <laughs> is it my turn? Let's make it Ryan's uh, turn before you and I start let's, crying. Let's, okay, let's take this, let's 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 take this party upstairs and talk about the catwalk since we mentioned it. Um, yeah. This is always a place that I you know I remember fondly, but I never got to spend much time in. Um, you know, by time by the time I got of, of age to be able to get up there, it was gone. And so, um, but it was one of those yeah, it's one of those mystical places. The bar above. Um, the, the Brown Derby, where everyone wanted to go and just hang out and have some drinks, and uh, you know, had this mythical quality to it almost at this point. Yeah, and for those who might not know where this is, it it's sort of above the location where Playhouse Disney is now, and you could almost still see that catwalk area up there. And if you want to know how to get there, the next time you go to the Brown Derby, get the grapefruit cake at the end. Uh, you'll see that there, if you're going towards the restrooms. There's an elevator and a blocked off, so please do not try and do them, uh, staircase that takes you upstairs to where the catwalk bar, and I want to say was in air quotes because it's still there. And my understanding that it is still up there and for a long time it was just used as storage, but the bar was still there. But the cool thing about it was while you were there, not just could you get, and, and again, this was before I was able to actually do so, um, you could enjoy a cocktail or snacks, whatever, and look down on the soundstage restaurant. And that was really like, again, that re- you sort of, there was a cool sense of exclusivity about being up there. Yeah, that VIP of the studios kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and it's, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's where I got my first alcoholic beverage on Walt Disney World property. <laughs> nice. <So. laughs> I only went there once. I got a mudslide and 
that was it. I think I had like three sips of it. I'm not a big drinker, but <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is strong. <laughs> but it was very cool to be up there. And that's cool. And, and you know, we miss sometimes um, things like that. And, you know, please avoid the temptation of trying to walk upstairs. But sometimes I'm like, gosh, I would just love to know, you know, what it looks like. You know, is it still there? You know, what else do they use that, that room for now? But we may never know. So bring back the catwalk bar. And there's not a lot of photos out there, too. And if, if Susanna, no. you say you have pictures, I yeah. would run over to your house and hug you. Because there's not a lot of photos that we've seen of the catwalk bar. Mm-hmm. No, I I think of one that I've seen in you know all my years of digging for it. So yeah, um, it is one of those like long lost treasures. So I'm gonna really quickly, as long as we're gonna stay with shows just for a second. Although Susanna ran up to the bar very quickly. Um, <laughs> what? Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about another show that you probably don't remember because you may not have seen because it was not there very long. Hollywood's Pretty Woman. Do you remember? Nothing. Hmm. You, you this, was in, this was in the, the Theater of the Stars as well, wasn't that's it? That's right. That's right. Yeah, okay. it, was on, right yeah. it was on Hollywood Boulevard. And yep. this show had, and this was sort of meant to sort of lead into what we were expecting the studios to become. It was Roger Rabbit, Mickey Mouse, Minnie, Goofy, uh, Miss Piggy, Kermit were in there too. They were sort of, they were the surprise. They sort of came in in the finale. And it premiered um, like in September and then ended like in November. Like, it was gone very, very quickly. Um, but, you know, while Jim Henson was still alive during that time, it was really the only Muppets-themed show at Walt Disney World. But it was this sort of very glitzy, glamorous sort of tribute to old, literal, real old Hollywood, right? So they, yeah. like, um, Carmen Miranda and Judy Garland and Ginger Rogers and things like that. I mean, it was so, this sort of big show-stopping, you know, kind of number. Um, that I- included what was going to be sort of this this trifecta of Disney superstars, you know, Mickey and Minnie, Roger Rabbit, and the Muppets. Yeah, and they were doing all these Hollywood classic songs, and it was it was supposed to be this spectacular. And the you know it was when the Muppets were going to be brought into the fold. And they had all these moments of great, we're going to put everyone together and and see how this this mixing pot works, and it it didn't work for long. Yeah. And, and you wonder why, you know, is it because they had these other things planned or uh, whatever it may be? Because, again, it, it may be the shortest live. It may actually beat Stitch's supersonic celebration as the shortest live. <laughs> so um, I'll have to check that. I'll have to check and see. So, um, Susanna, I, I assume you did not ever get a chance to see it because, again, it wasn't no. there very long. What years was that there? What year or time frame? It, it wasn't it, it not even like a year. I mean, it, yeah. it was just a couple of months in. Um, wow. Yeah. In. Um, hmm. The end of the end of eighty nine, you know, maybe something. Oh, okay. so. It was right before the Diamond Cross is what replaced it in the it, so. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. I totally missed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it back to you. To me. And, and I don't, All right. By the way, I've lost count. I don't even know where we are. So. Uh, let's see. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve. We're up to like thirteen ish. <laughs> Could probably have a little leeway in there. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, we talked briefly about. Um, the Zero to Hero Parade, but I think some of the other parades that happened, they mm-hmm. were for a while, they're doing a new parade with every animated feature. Mm-hmm. So we had the Aladdin Parade and the Toy Story Parade. And that's when I first moved down to Orlando in 95. The Toy Story Parade was there. So that brings back um, 
great memories for me because that's when we all got jobs at Disney and all that fun stuff. So I have those songs ingrained in my brain from seeing that parade a million times. <laughs> but it was fun. And then, of course, that led into the Stars and Motor Cars parade after that. And uh, I'm probably getting things out of order and, and stuff like that. You guys probably know more than me, but I miss the great parades that used to be at Disney MGM Studios. And this is yet another reason that you should love Xanadu because I'm with you. I, like, I dug <laughs> yeah. the parades and because they were always changing, right? And they were always mm-hmm. very timely. And I love the music. You know, it, look, yes. they were able to capitalize on this, you know, new renaissance of Disney animation with Aladdin and, and Hercules and Mulan and, and Toy Story. I had on my list the Stars and Motor Cars Parade mm-hmm. because I loved that parade. And you want to talk about something where it really sort of embraced the entire breadth of Disney films. There was Toy Story, the, the Jolly Holiday Car from Mary Poppins, Star Wars. Had, right? They had this old stu- a convertible Studebaker mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. 50s that was a Star Wars land speeder. I'm like, for the love of all things sacred, where can I get one of those? <laughs> uh, the Muppet Car with the blimp. Mulan, yes. Monsters, Inc. They had the big genie car, the Aladdin car. I'm uh, sorry, the uh, the villains car, followed by all the um, all the villains. Like Hades was Hades was driving, right? Lilo and Stitch. Um, what else? Little Mermaid, uh, Power Rangers, and then Mickey and Minnie finished off like in this cool, big, glitzy nineteen late nineteen twenties mm-hmm. Cadillac. Um, but I dug that that parade a, a lot too. I liked it just a little bit more than the Father's Day Home Improvement Power Parade. It was just, it was <laughs> close. It was, I was juggling between the two. But that yeah, was that you were. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but the parades were. There was something. I mean, it, there was a sense of of real Hollywood. There was a sense of you're right, timeliness, and all these pieces. And you know, that's what you look for in a Disney park. That pageantry, that sense of excitement, you know, these parades that they're known for. And they had it in that golden age of, of the park where whether it was Stars and Motor Cars or Aladdin or Hercules that just kept coming year after year. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the Stars and Motor Cars, it, that was part of that 100 years of magic celebration, yeah. you know, in terms of all the oh things that they were doing at the studios to really celebrate not just you know, the studios, but really was about Walt Disney. And then it was later replaced by Block Party Bash, which I totally dig, dug to. And I felt that those were like the hardest working cast members anywhere because no matter how hot and humid it was, they were smiling, they were sweating, and they like they worked, man. Like those cast members worked hard <laughs> in that parade. Not, you know, not that the other ones didn't, but it's probably a little bit easier to sit there, you know, at in the, the Lilo and Stitch convertible than it was to be jumping around on trampolines going down <laughs> Hollywood Boulevard. So, Very Not true. Taking away from anything. So, um, <laughs> All right, so we, uh, we dig the parades. What about you, Ryan? What else do you miss or dig or love? So sticking, we'll stick with this, the theme that we have right now, but I miss Sorcery in the Sky. I miss the fireworks on Hollywood Boulevard at the end of the night. You know, whether just looking down at the, the Chinese theater and just seeing, you know, hearing all the the great scores that were that were being played with it, and all the fireworks. It was just, you know, it, it felt like you know their version, of, and it was their version of Fantasy in the Sky, but it was just an incredible show, and you know, Fantastic's incredible. I don't think any way from that, but actually having fireworks going off over the park is something I miss. I, I, there's there's one thing I miss about that about that show, Vincent Price. Hmm. Like, oh yes, Vincent. Right? Yeah, um, and, and supposedly, and Ryan, you might know this better than I do. Supposedly, he did the um, 
he did the uh, his his voiceover work in one take. Like they recorded it one time. It's like, all right, peace out. I'm done. Like they just. You know, got I've it. heard that. <laughs> I've heard that, and I've never been able to substantiate. Like that's my thing. Like I'm like, that's great, and I totally buy it. I think, but I gotta. Find, you know, I've never been able to find a source for it. But yeah, I've heard that too. It just even if it's not true, it's an awesome story because like it just you can see Vincent Price just nailing it. You know, be like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> But yeah, I, uh, I I like that too, and I think a lot of people, you know, we, we think about fireworks at the studios and, and sort of um, the music that was there and, and uh, being able to take from, you know, and this is why I like Wishes so much too, because you're able to sort of take from all the different classic attractions and, and the films and things like that. Um, and this ran from, for about what, 15 years or so? I mean, it ran for, and I remember, and, and forgive me if you mentioned it, the uh, the giant Mickey that sort of rose out from the Chinese theater. Mm-hmm. That was the really cool thing, too. I love that, too. And I think we're getting, I think, I don't know if they're realizing that guests really love the fireworks or if they're just giving us something extra for Star Wars weekends, but I am glad that they're bringing back fireworks for the Star Wars weekends now. That'll be fun. And who knows, like you said, if this is maybe a test of what's to come. Right. You know, mm-hmm. maybe we'll start to see this um, on a little bit more frequent. Then forget it. Like, now where do you pick? Like, you know, for guests that are coming down, <laughs> do we go to the studios? Do we go to Magic Kingdom? Do we go see, you know, Illuminations? Um, so I'm going to go, I guess, maybe not too obscure, but I'll go maybe a little bit more sentimental. And I want to go back to this idea of what the studios was really meant to be about. And for me, as somebody who was a kid who was going, I wouldn't tell my parents, but in the back of my mind, it was always like, I wonder who I'm going to see. Like, I wonder what star is going to be walking around here. And it was always a possibility because they had the star of the day, right? Way back when, they had this sort of, you know, star of the day or, or a star a day. They sort of, you know, called it different things. And every week, different celebrities were going to be there to do you know a conversation over at the theaters, or they would do um, it's sort of their own like little parade down Hollywood Boulevard. They would do the handprint ceremony, mm-hmm. and all right, trivia question time. There's a, a free there's a there's a cupcake of your choice if you can tell me who was the first official Star Today guest at on May first, nineteen eighty nine. I should have I should have made it this it's, week's trivia question. Wait a second. Is Who it did Bob Hope? Walt loved her? Walt loved her. Oh. <laughs> I was going to guess Annette Funicello. Annette so. Funicello. There you go. Very <laughs> nice. It's a cupcake for you. And that, and I just, <laughs> I totally just took myself out of giving an easy trivia question <laughs> for this week. Yeah, but, you know, that was the cool thing. And, like, look, I, I mean, at the time, and, and you have to sort of put this into perspective, right? The, the names I'm going to mention were the Brangelinas of their time, right? Mm. Uh, seeing Phyllis Diller. Or Vicki Lawrence, or Howie Mandel, or Jerry Van Dyke, or Tom Poston. <laughs> you know, the people that you saw on TV every week, you know, Norm from Cheers could next, you know, be there next week, or Lou Ferrigno, the Hulk. Like, that was the cool thing because you didn't know if you were going to see them not just in the parade or watch them put their handprints over the Chinese theater. But that was like the cool thing because you might just see him walking around somewhere. And for me as a kid, and maybe I was kidding myself, but that's the thing that I thought was just so cool. And I always sort of found myself kind of rubbernecking looking around. Mm-hmm. 
No, you did, and and I you know I can't even remember going and checking out the new handprints in between visits and going, oh, I missed Alan Alda, or oh, I missed Warren Beatty. You miss people, and you're like, oh, I would have loved to have seen you know these people out here, and uh, it, and so it did. It, it kept your head on a swivel almost, was it as it were, like trying to you know see if you could find someone. Yeah, and you know, and this this promotion went on for, and I call it a promotion because it lasted till about 1992, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. And the names would become a little bit more maybe recognizable to people like Alex Trebek uh, was in there, Neil Patrick Harris, David Ogden Steers, John Ratzenberger. And I think the, the last one, I see I'm going to give away another trivia question. Uh, I think at one point they had actually, when they were planning to expand to add Sunset Boulevard and add Tower Terror and things like that, um, they demolished the original theater, theater of the stars where a lot of those handprints were, were still going. But I think that the last one to do that sort of star of the day handprint ceremony was Kate Mulgrew from Star Trek Voyager. Hmm. And I very much could be wrong, but that's from what I had found was sort of the last one. I have to write this for volume three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was Kate Mulgrew. And then they started just doing like, um, and if you go over to Mama Melrose's, You'll see they have the um, the um, the signatures on sort of like the, the stills. Like that's all they were doing. You weren't getting handprints anymore. Right. You were you were doing the the um, the celebrity stills that were signed and put up. And if you look and see, they've now they used to have this the old the MGM Studios logo that were on on the bottom left, and now they've been cut off so that you don't see the old logo anymore. Aww. <laughs> oh, that's what Susanna misses. She misses the little logo. <laughs> I used to make a game out of going around and looking for the logo after they changed the name. Like, where else can I still find it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and mm-hmm. for a while, well, I, so and I and I'm going back to what I said at the beginning. Although the Chinese theater is no longer the icon, and we've mm-hmm. gotten into the whole discussion and debate uh, into that, you can still find it. And I think you still can, Ryan. You tell me because you're the garbage can guy. You can still find it on some of the garbage cans, can't you? Like that's the only place that has that that sort of that- throwback to the old logo. It does. It has. It's like it's like. Please help keep our city clean. Um, and it's you still see the water tower. You still see like the entrance gate and the Chinese theater is still there. Okay. Zana, what else you got? Well, let's see. What do I have on here? And if if you just want to like you know bullet point them and shoot them, knock yourself. If you have like twenty five more things on the list, that's <laughs> well, cool. Well, we've too. talked about almost everything I have, but I did want to go back briefly to the old animation tour because mm-hmm. um, I think that was such a great experience. And for people like us that are so into Disney history and really what created the Disney Empire animation is it and to see you know the behind the scenes of all of that and they made it kid friendly by adding robin williams in and turning him into a little lost boy and and that whole thing but you could actually see artists working in there and um it changed a few times over the years before it became what it is now but even you know probably 10 years ago maybe they still had like a live person there that would you know draw something of course now that's moved over to a different section but yeah, I I love that whole experience, and I miss that portion of the tour. The name's Robin, but you can call me what? What? See, don't say it. Now I'm going to use this this week's trivia question. <laughs> okay. So there you go. I just wrote, I just wrote this week's trivia question. My name's Robin, but what could you call him? And just wait, wait to hear the music. <laughs> to I mean, I still go around saying meow, 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 which you know, if that tells you anything, it was a memorable attraction. Was that, was that your Walter? Is that Grumpy Cat or Walter Cronkite? I'm trying to That's... understand. <laughs> 
Walter Cronkat. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. I like that. <laughs> well played. Um, all right, Ro- I almost called you Robin. Ryan, what about you? <laughs> no, I, well, with this, with you know the animation, they did you know a couple of pictures there. They had some of the Roger Rabbit cartoons. I do. I miss seeing that hand drawn piece, and you weren't allowed to take pictures because this was a work in, an actual work in progress, and it brought that heightened sense of oh, I'm really seeing a piece of history here. Um, mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it was just, it was incredible to be able to watch that happening. So I think, and you know, there's a lot of little things uh, along the way. Like I, one thing I had on my list, I'm like, nobody's even going to remember this. Like I, I miss to a certain degree uh, because it reminded me of Magic Kingdom, the old Mickey floral at the entrance before it mm-hmm. changed and they had the security things. There used to be a, a, a round Mickey floral that was, very low to the ground, surrounded by the American flag and the Florida state flag, and had this sort of side view Mickey in flowers that sort of well, it reminded me of Magic Kingdom and sort of welcoming like that and sort of going back to this idea of, of you know, where it all got started. Um, but I think one of the things I, I miss is a, is a multiple things rolled into one. Remember when we were talking about how the New York street sets were open to be able to walk on? Um, in late, it was like last summer, like it wasn't originally, but later on that summer, you were able to start walking on streets of America when they weren't filming something. So they wanted to add something out there and they put some small, somewhat kind of random, uh, live entertainment things that changed, uh, like you said, from time to time. And you want to talk about shows that were just sort of all over the place, relatively speaking. Okay. Al's toy barn made sense. Um, you know, having, Toy Story characters there. Um, there was like a Toon Park there as well mm-hmm. that had the, the Dipmobile from Roger Rabbit. They had the Goosebumps Horrorland Funhouse. <laughs> yes. Right? You're like, what? Goosebumps? <laughs> I kid you not, there were yep. two shows, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was yep. cool for like, I dug the turtles. Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and look, I love Jim Carrey. I love the movie, but it it almost seemed like it didn't fit there. But it was at the time so wildly popular that it made sense to have those kind of little entertainment venues back there. Yeah, I had the Ninja Turtles on my list. <laughs> I was like, oh, I remember I met Donatello and they did the whole little, you know, their little show. And then you got to go meet them and you know, kind of like the Power Rangers were later on. Um but yeah, all these little, you know, they did it. They did all these really little shows. It's, you know, like the parades, they were very timely. They were things that were happening at, you know, at that moment in time. And, um, but they were very brief and they were gone with the season. Yeah. And, and what was cool is that if you didn't come back for a couple of years, you don't know what you might have seen. So mm-hmm. there was that sense of, you know, there is a reason to keep on going back and see what else might be there. Um, a couple of things let's sort of hit on very quickly because, you guys know me. Um, there were some uh, restaurants that changed, right? I remember Hollywood and Vine was originally the cafeteria of the stars. And again, as a kid, I used to think like, oh, that's where I'm going to go and see Don Rickles and Buddy Hackett. hanging." I, I don't know why I just picked those two people. But <laughs> <laughs> um, the old soundstage restaurant we talked about. The uh, Mama Melrose's Ryan Wilson was originally known as what? Oh, Come on, you you're, got this. You're going to get me on food. It was... The Studio uh, Pizzeria. Yep. It was okay. the Studio Pizzeria. Huh. And then we know it was going to become the sort of, you know, the, uh, the, the the Muppet Pizzeria and that whole yeah. sort of interactive yeah. kind of show. And that's one of the... Oh, my God. Like, that's the thing I, I miss um, so, so very much. 
couple of things. I'm just going to sort of hit them quick bullet point things. It's a relatively new loss, but lo, my friends, I do miss Sid Coenga's. Not that I ever bought anything there, which was probably yes. part of the problem, but I dug what Sid Coenga's was and the story behind it. Uh, ESPN The Weekend, right? Oh, Again, yeah. Super Soap Weekend, and not maybe not a favorite of mine, but ESPN <laughs> The Weekend, this interactive type of experience that was included with your park admission, and you didn't know who you could see, and I still have my picture with the Tampa Bay Buccaneer cheerleaders, but you know these this interactive um, uh, kind of things as well. And how about this? How about the world's largest hidden Mickey before they changed that center? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's the little things. It's the little things um, that we miss. And look, I, I do miss the idea, and I keep going back to this this working studio, right? And look, there was something that I enjoy, look, not just because they were employing people, but the fact that it was a studio and feature animation was down here and they worked on film like, you know, Lilo and Stitch and Mulan and, and the trail mix of that, the Roger Rabbit short. But you didn't know if you were going to see them filming the Mickey Mouse Club or Star Search or Win, Lose or Draw or whatever it may be. So I, I do kind of miss those things that, that used to be there. I do miss that sense of a- adventure because... Yes, there's attractions and great shows, but there was that sense of the unknown every time you came back about what they're filming or who might be there. Yeah, I agree. I think it would really revitalize the park if they were to do something. I know it's hard to convince California people to come out and film things in the 100-plus degree Florida humidity, (laughs) but it would be a great gift for all of us to have that back. Oh, I like that. It's a gift. That spontaneity, you're right. It's fun, you know. Now it's now it's more about you know getting in, getting out. Whether the people think it's a half day park or they think it's a full day park, uh, th- there was so much more to do and take away with you. Whether it was knowledge, whether it was a memory you had made, because it was because you never knew what was going to happen. And and it is one of those pieces that I miss from the park. And you wonder, twenty five years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, will we look back um, and say, God, remember what it was like? You know, on the 25th mm-hmm. anniversary, how different it was, the potential that expansion that, that we're either thinking about or dreaming about or, or hoping for, whether it's a Muppets expansion, whether it's a Star Wars expansion. Who I always say, and I believe this in my heart of hearts, that the thing that excites me and that I love most about Walt Disney World is not what I know that's coming next. It's the unknown. It's, mm-hmm. it's what we don't know that's coming and where the studios may evolve to in the next 5, 10, and 25 years. I would love to know from the listeners, what's the one thing, unlike our 76, what's the one thing <laughs> that you love or you miss or you remember most about Disney MGM, even if it's just the name, and or Disney's Hollywood Studios? Do me a favor. Go over to wdwradio.com, Click on the podcast link. Click on this week's episode. Leave your answer in the comments below. I promise you. I guarantee you. I will... I will strap Susanna and Ryan down in front of their computers and make sure that they respond back to comments as well too or <laughs> go to facebook.com slash WDW radio leave your comments over there let's keep this conversation going I would love to hear from you look if you want to tweet me tweet me I'm at Lou Mangello tell me that one thing that you love miss or remember most about Disney's Hollywood Studios and then in no particular order other than ladies first please go over to xanaland.com Subscribe to all her stuff. Follow her on the Twitter and the Instagram and the Facebook. And then go over, get yourself a nice cup of joe, kick back, 
and read all the goodness that you can find over at Main Street Gazette. And, of course, I'm going to link up to both of your sites and all your stuff over there as well. Thank you and or what did I forget? <laughs> no, that was good. I think it's a whole other show of, of, of what we forget, but um, but I think, I think we're doing good. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for sort of taking this uh, long trip down memory lane. And our next show will be the 25 restaurants we missed the most. So. Ooh. <laughs> or concept restaurants like David Copperfield. And- oh, oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> the Magic Underground. I'm, I'm still yes. waiting. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually there. It's just invisible. We can't see it. And Admiral Snack Bar, I'm telling you, I'm holding I know. hope I saw that somewhere. I saw that in a cartoon or something recently. Somebody had done something about Admiral Bar Snack Bar. I'm like, no, no, that's coming to a park. Well, the, 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 I said that when we went out to D23 Expo and we were talking to guys like Jason Sorrell and I said, here's yeah. my cotton. And they said, look, we can't listen. I'm like, and they said, well, look, I can guarantee it we're not building Admiral Snack Bar. So... <laughs> You're like, but come on. I just want to snack. snack. That, that's it. I just want to say it one time. So. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thank, Thank you. you. May the fourth be with you. May the fourth be with you. And also, and also with you. <laughs> Tell the camera. for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how well you pay attention to the details, not just in what you see, but even in what you hear. And then enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, the topic was about ride vehicles at Walt Disney World, and your question was very simple. I said that you ride on an X2 rocket in what Walt Disney World attraction? Again, thanks to the hundreds of you that answered. All of you pretty much got this one correct because it is, in fact, Mission Space over in Epcot Center. Yeah, I still call it Epcot Center. It is the X-2 Deep Space Shuttle over at the International Space Training Center, which is actually a rocket that's said to use technologies that are currently in development for possible future use, like like aerospike engines, solid hydrogen fuel, and carbon nanotubes, all are things which I don't fully understand because I am not a rocket scientist. But again, thanks and congratulations to all of you who entered and got this one correct. You were playing for all six of my virtual audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom and a copy of my new 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World book. And last week's winner randomly selected from all the correct entries is... Brian Barnes. So, Brian, congratulations. I'll send you links to download the audio tours and the new book. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, if you listened through the entire segment as we look back on those 25 things we love and misremember about Disney's Hollywood Studios, you know the question that's coming already, and it's about the animation tour that used to be at the old MGM Studios 
where in the pre-show, you saw a short film featuring Robin Williams and Walter Cronkite, and Robin was playing a tourist at the Disney MGM Studios who ran across Walter and excitedly introduced himself by saying, the name's Robin, but you could call me... And that's what you have to tell me. What did Robin Williams say? His name, we said his name was Robin, but he said, you could call me what? And what is the name that he wanted Walter to call him? You have until Sunday, May 11th at 11.59 p.m. to email your answer to contest at wdwradio.com. You'll be playing for all six of my virtual audio walking tours, a copy of my new 102 Ways to Save Money for an at Walt Disney World book, and... Since we're celebrating the studios, an original keypad from one of the seats over at the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Play It game set. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Don't forget to visit www.radio.com for past episodes, this week's show notes, my blog, videos, free newsletter, the free WDW Radio app for your mobile device, and lots more. You can connect with me on Twitter. I'm at Lou Mangiello. Like the page over at facebook.com slash Radio, or come by and subscribe to my profile over at facebook.com slash Lou Mangiello. Post a lot of different things on my profile versus the page. So I've been purging much of my Disney collection and I want to share it with you. So I'm listing about 10 items every week up on eBay. This past week in honor of May the 4th and upcoming Star Wars weekends and the release of The Amazing Spider-Man 2, I'm also getting rid of some of my Spider-Man and Star Wars items. I'm going to list this and up over the next coming weeks. My eBay seller name is Second Star Media or you can just go to wdwradio.com slash eBay. It includes everything from theme park merchandise to documents, books, pin, artwork, vinylations, one-of-a-kind collectibles. I'll also be listing some other items as well as I go through the boxes and make room in my garage. Again, visit wdwradio.com slash eBay. Good luck and happy bidding. If you have a question you want answered on the show about an upcoming trip, Walt Disney World trivia, history, whatever it may be, email me at lou at wdwradio.com. Or if you want to be heard on the air, you can call the voicemail at 407-900-9391 or just click on the Leave Lou a Voicemail tab on the right-hand side of the page over at www.radio.com. You can leave a voicemail right from your computer's microphone. Also, be sure and check out the events page while you're there for upcoming events in Walt Disney World and on the road. Quick thanks to everybody who came out for our last meet of the month this past week over at Disney's Animal Kingdom and who braved the elements and ran in the Expedition Everest Challenge. Thanks to everybody and congratulations on the WDW Radio running team. If you want to be part of the team, anybody and everybody is welcome. Visit the uh, the running team page over at wdwradio.com slash running. Our next event is actually going to be on the road. It's going to be Sunday, April 18th in Atlanta. I'm going to be in Atlanta to do a segment on the CBS Morning Show on Tuesday. I'll be getting in on Sunday. I thought we would have a meetup. So we're going to meet at the Nook at Piedmont Park from 1 to 3 p.m. It's a small restaurant and bar. Bring your, Come by yourself. Bring a friend. Take the whole family. Kids are, of course, welcome. I ask you to please come to the events page and RSVP and get your ticket there because space is limited and we need to know exactly how many people are coming. Also, look at other events coming up, including Mouska Meets is June 12th and 13th. That's in Roanoke, Virginia. That's going to be a series of events. I'm going to be presenting on some social media topics on Thursday. There's a full-day Disney event on Friday and a special dinner Friday night. 
There are event tickets with limited availability. And if you use code WDWRADIO, Chuck Lionberg of the Disney Daddy has been gracious enough to offer a 10% discount on the on the uh, Friday events. Also, don't forget, we got our cruise on the Disney Dream and pre-cruise land portion, which I'll announce details on in the next couple of days. So stay tuned to Twitter and Facebook for more information on that. Also, there's other events coming up in Walt Disney World and on the road, including our trip to Alaska next year. You can get a no-obligation quote right now. Hopefully, you can join us June 1st through the 8th uh, next year on the Disney Wonder to Alaska. Speaking of travel, I want to thank my travel partner, Mouse Fan Travel. Whether you're going with us or coming to Disney World or land or anywhere else on your own, visit mousefantravel.com. I kid you not, they do have... All the available discounts, the best possible prices, and it's at no cost to you. You get an incredible level of personal service at no cost to you. Again, that's mousefantravel.com. And if you want some Disney magic delivered right to your door, visit Celebrations Press. You can order, order, subscribe, or get back issues to Celebrations Magazine. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Do me a favor. Go over to iTunes. Leave a rate and review the show there. Also, tell your friends. Tweet out that you're listening. Come by and comment. Let's keep the conversation going, not just in the comment section over at WDWRadio.com, but over on our Facebook page as well. I also want to say quick thanks to everybody who has purchased and reviewed 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World. If you have the book and are enjoying it, I'd ask that you please go over to Amazon.com, rate and review it there. You can also find out more about the book by visiting Disney102.com. And hey, a lot of you have also sent me pictures of you with the book, either in digital format or in print, out and about. I've seen pictures of people reading the book in the snow, on the beach, on the plane, in their car, not while they're driving, preferably. If you have a photo that you want to share, just email it to me or tweet me at Lou Mangiello. Love to share it and put it on our page as well. And finally, and most importantly, I want to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to tune in each and every week for all the emails and tweets and for, for allowing me to share my passion for Disney with you through the show and so many other ways. Uh, I cannot tell you how much it means to me and how excited I am every day to get up because I get to do what I love each and every day, and that is solely because of you. And I want you to feel that exact same way. So remember, the secret to happiness is to do what you love, and the secret to success is to love what you do. Have faith and always keep moving forward. Have a great week, everybody. So until next time, see ya. Hi, Lou. This is Richie McNatta from Westfield, New Jersey. Uh, I just want to say that my wife and I just got back from our one-year-old son, Dean's first trip to Walt Disney World. I'm sorry we missed the, uh, the meet last weekend in Port Orleans, Riverside, but we just wanted to let you know that our sweet little guy got his first haircut at the Harmony Barbershop on Main Street, and it was absolutely mind-blowingly beautiful. It was, it was great. It was such a wonderful experience that we took your advice and made sure to speak to our barber, Sean, his supervisor, to say what a great job she did. It felt really good to do that. We did the same thing for Jan, the woman that made Dean's silhouette in the cart off of Main Street. Um, I also want to tell you that we went to Norway's Bakery in Epcot just for the school bread that you always uh, talk about. And we have a little bit of a bone to pick with you. Um, it is not the best item in that shop. We felt that the troll horn was way better, but to each his own, I guess. Anyway, as always, thanks for all you do, Lou. You're the best, and we hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. You've got a friend.